As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Built to Last show. I'm so excited for my conversation today with Mamika. Mamika is the personal trainer for your mind. What's up, Mamika? Hey, well, hey, Megan. So glad to be here. We were talking up a storm and we thought we'd probably best record this conversation because this is going to be fun. (laughs) It is going to be fun. Sometimes when I have guests on, we'll chat for 15 or 20 minutes and and just kind of like get to know each other and talk about things. I'm like, gosh, we should have pressed record because that was the best stuff. So we're just going to dive right on in. If you will fill in some of the gaps, let our audience know who you are, what you do and how you got into entrepreneurship. You've been an entrepreneur for 20 plus years. You started your first business when you were 16. That's pretty rare. We don't always hear about people who started their entrepreneurial career as a teenager. So fill in some of the gaps for us. Sure. Well, as you can tell, I'm not from around here. I'm originally from South Africa. So I was born and raised in South Africa in in the 70s and the 80s and uh, lived under apartheid. So as South Africans are born with internship entrepreneurship in our blood because back in the day we weren't allowed to get access to things from overseas and there's a saying we have in South Africa which is a burmakaplan which basically means a farmer makes a plan so when you don't have access to things you get creative and you start making your own opportunities right so for me you know being a entrepreneur is also in my blood my father has been a serial entrepreneur so and also I don't make a very good employee I like to be the boss. So, you know, from being called bossy as a child, and I've realized those leadership you know, capabilities and skills do come in handy when you want to be an entrepreneur. But sort of to shorten the journey a little, so um, I, my husband and I started our business back in the internet in the, the days of dial-up, you know, hello, you've got mail, <laughs> doing things, um, you know, trying to figure out how this whole thing worked. But long story short, we moved from South Africa and then moved the company, which is a digital marketing company, to the USA in 2006 via England. So we lived in England for five years. So we've been here since 2006. And during that period, I've had four different business models. Mm. So I know all about the pivot and knowing to make those decisions of when to let things go, when to pursue something new. And when it's ready to make a change and the persistence and consistency, right, of just showing up when you need to. So I love all things entrepreneurship. And uh, what I do now is as a mindset metacog trainer uh, after having a business, running myself ragged into the ground, girlfriend over here, hit burnout and breakdown, the wheels fell off the bus completely. So in 2015, I realized I had one of those come to Jesus moments like, okay, girl, we can't do this no more. We have to really figure out what we want to do with our life and pull myself together. So after experiencing burnout and also I had a a child in crisis and I had a a close family member that that, uh, passed away and I literally physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually just couldn't do it anymore. And through that process, I actually discovered, you know, the life transformative, um, you know, coaching, therapy, mindset, you know, mental health, all of that kind of stuff and realized that a lot of my business problems in the past 
had been personal problems in disguise that mm. I'd never wanted to deal with. Mm. So I'd realized, you know, uh, time to roll my sleeves up, get to work and get to fix the root of the problem. And in that process, fell in love with neuroscience, how the mind works, and have got really dived all in into creating a, a what I call a training program for your mind so you can become the boss of your brain. Kind of like boot camp, not in the gym, but for the way you think. And I've developed programs and coaching programs now that really help people to achieve that. So yeah, long story, but it brings us to here where we are today. And I'm so excited to be able to share the ups and downs. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's start with some of the ups and downs. So I imagine that in being an entrepreneur for 25 years, you have had failures, you've had flops, you've had frustrations, but you've also had the exact exact opposite. You've had really, really great levels of success. Do you mind sharing some of the flops that you've had? But more importantly, how do you navigate them? How do you move through them so that you come out on the other side, a better version of yourself? Mm, definitely. It's a very good question because a lot of us don't like to talk about our failures, right? But what we don't realize is failure isn't failure. It's just experiments. If we can adopt a way of thinking of like, I'm going to try something and I'm going to learn something in the process because the only way I'm going to learn of how to make it better is to try and fail. Like I'm a, a competitive figure skater and I only learned to skate when I was like in my thirties. So I had to learn the skill way back to basics and our adult brains are designed to overthink. Like if you see a kid who puts on a pair of skates, they're like, okay, fall down, get up, do, 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 no problem. Whereas adults, well, hang on a second. If I do that and then it's going to fall and I'm going to hurt myself, like, what? you know, start talking ourselves out of things because we're overthinking everything. And what I'd realized, you know, after having this experience a couple of times over that if I keep making this failure about me as as a, on a basis of like, this is wrong, something's wrong with me. And this is often what entrepreneurs do because entrepreneurship is almost like a creation. You're creating something from nothing. And it often comes from the heart or your vision. So if someone criticizes it or something doesn't go well, we make it about ourselves. We make it feel like we are a failure, like we are inherently bad or we did something bad. So I had to learn along the way that being an entrepreneur, it's just, it's you got to roll with the punches. You've got to be prepared for the good, the bad, and the ugly. But even so, I've learned to see see the good in the failures and the experiments because they've got me closer to where I want to be. So a lot of, I mean, I've had, uh, I've been a, a website designer, I've done online marketing, I've been a, a book publisher, uh, a photographer. I was at, I had a studio that I ran for twelve years, and um, now pivoting to an online business model has had its own ups and downs, and having to learn and experiment and try. But here's the thing I, I've realized through all those processes is that I always have to be teachable. If mm. I'm stubborn about an attitude of like, well, I did that in my last business or this, I did this before and that worked. So I'm not going to do something new. That is really where things didn't work. So when I've been able to adopt an attitude of say, okay, what can I learn from this? This might not have turned out great. Clearly what I was doing wasn't working. And Einstein says, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result is called insanity. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't want to have the same results, clearly I had to have a different approach. So really the failures really taught me more about what needed to be done. And it also sort of tests of character that we often don't think about, that I'm actually stronger, more mature, more capable and able to take on the next level of experience or the next 
challenge because I've learned by building that muscle that it's not necessarily failure. It's actually a learning curve. So to me, that's been the biggest thing is just being teachable and being willing to learn from others and also being ready to burn the ships. Like we talked about this earlier, about sometimes when you learn that maybe this isn't working and in a society that makes it sound like giving up is bad, sometimes it's good to give up when you know this is not working. I'm not heading in the right direction. Time to cut my losses and to, to pivot into a new direction. So, yeah. Yeah. That is something we were chatting about earlier. And I was sharing with you, I'm having a lot of behind closed doors conversations with entrepreneurs who are very seasoned and very established and have also reached great levels of success. They've made lots of money in their business. They kind of carved out this brand and this position for themselves in the marketplace. And they are, they are making decisions that, you know, I'm done with this iteration. I'm closing the door on that. I'm hearing people say like, I'm completely closing down my programs. I've done that. I've done that in the last year where I completely closed down my flagship group coaching program. I can't tell you how many conversations I'm having with women about this. Now I'm not hearing about it until we're talking behind closed doors. So a lot of people aren't out, you know, talking about this publicly while they're doing it in the middle of doing it. My question to you is, because you've, you know, clearly we know you have started different types of businesses over the years in different industries, some that you may not have known anything about. And in your intro, you were talking about how it's important to know when to make the shift. How does someone know when it's the right time to make the shift and what to shift to? It, you know, like you were saying, as entrepreneurs, we tend to overthink a lot. So how do we discern when it's where we're being called to lead and serve and go next from more of a heart-centered, spiritual, or God-led place, faith-led place versus I'm just in my head and I'm overthinking it and this isn't working anymore, so I need to change. How do you discern between the two? I think people really struggle with that. Mm. And that's a good question. And it is, it's it's an internal struggle that really comes down to being true to yourself. And this is the thing is we can look online and see all the, the things and all the fancy funnels and marketing hacks and strategies. Oh, you just do this and your business is going to magically ha- have clients overnight, you know, as if it's like a, a commercial. That's not the truth of what we see. And that's what is, is wrong right now is that people are not being truthful about really what it, what's happening and, and what's worked in the past isn't working right now. And we have to be, be willing to be able to pivot. But often what I find when I, I work with people is that they have this disconnect between what the head wants and what the heart wants. And the spirit, and that's what I'm so passionate about, is we have to get back in tune with who we are on a spiritual level because our spirit, which is our purpose, our desire, our wants, our needs, our it's kind of like your internal compass that says, this doesn't feel right. It's like you're doing this, this feels icky, or this doesn't this isn't the person I should be serving. I feel like I'm in the wrong room. Like, hello, I got off the elevator on the wrong floor. Like, what am I doing here? And that's that sense of, I've got to keep up appearances. I've got to pretend that everything's fine. We're back in the day behind the scenes, I'm miserable, tired, burnt out on the and, and on the point of breakdown. And that's a very sad place to be because yeah. it's very hard to come back from a complete crash and burn than to allow yourself to see the signs and to pivot before we get there by being true to ourselves. So, and this is a challenge is, are we willing to do the deep step? Are we willing to ask ourselves those hard questions? Like, what is it about this business that I don't like? Have, have I started this 
with the wrong intentions. Like, did I just start this business because everybody else said they were making money doing it? Or so-and-so seems to look like she just did this one thing and look how how her, her business flourished. We don't actually know if that's true. Are they making six and seven figures? They say do this and make six and seven figures, but are they being for real? At the end of the day, we have to really get back in tune with our own intuition, with our own spiritual sense of, and, you know, for me, as a, as a, I'm a Christian coach, so I work a lot with Christian women who have that sense of faith and know that a lot of it is coming into alignment with who you are, who God made you to be. So we stop the pretense. We take off the masks. We stop pretending to be something we're not because that is what creates exhaustion, frustration, burnout, and business failure yep. is when we're not being true to who we are and what and it's not necessarily about being happy because life is 50-50. You can never be happy 100% of the time. Life is a bunch of trade-offs. You have to trade time for money, money for time. What, are you, what is worth it to you? What, what, is, what do you value? But sometimes we don't ask ourselves that. Like the busy entrepreneur who's now running a multi-million dollar business who's running the treadmill who feels like, stop the train, I want to get off. This isn't bringing me joy. I'm, I'm sacrificing my family, my marriage, my whatever, fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. But are we willing to ask ourselves the hard questions and getting back in touch with that? I've been in a really similar place, you know, where you're doing all the do and you're running the business and you do You're doing all the things you think you're supposed to do. But meanwhile, your health is suffering. Your emotional well-being is suffering. Your spiritual life is you're just not paying attention to these other aspects of your life. Um, it's really fascinating. And my husband is a high performance coach too. And so he will bring things to my attention. And one of the things we were talking about recently, and I see this with clients as well, who are entrepreneurs, it's like we stay busy and distracted so that we don't have to look at all those other aspects of our lives. And that was a big reality check for me. I had to come to terms with and be honest with myself that all the things I was doing in my business, it was keeping me distracted from looking at the things that were actually the most important because internally I was suffering because I wasn't paying attention to those things in my life. It's so fascinating. Mm, um, definitely. Yeah. I know that you work with high achieving women, high performers. So I have a two-part question for you about that type of person. Sometimes from the outside looking in, we people might look at high performers and high achievers and think that's just the way they are, or they have certain characteristics or certain personality traits that I don't have. I can't be that person. And I also think there's this interesting uh, perspective on what high performance really means. And I've heard, I've not heard, I've seen people talk about this online where they will talk about high performance and talk about women who are high performers but with this conversation around that it's it's this masculine way of operating, that, that being a high performer is what burns you out. Being a high performer is what exhausts you. Is that really true? Is that really the true definition of a high performer? Or is there another, another definition of what it means to be a high performing individual? Well, it's an interesting concept. And I think it depends on your viewpoint. Like for me, when, when I describe myself as someone who works with high performance, it's usually those who identify with doing a lot of things and achieving a lot of things and maybe in more t- in a quicker way than maybe most people would. But it comes at a cost, right? High performance comes with pressure. High performance also comes with higher expectations of yourself 
and of others. And how performance often comes with perfectionism, people pleasing, and burnout, if not corrected right, right? Because we it's not about just doing things for doing the things. It's, it's this internal drive. And oftentimes I look back and I find this fascinating. That's why I love to hear about people's stories. It's oftentimes based on how we were raised, that this concept of performance, always feeling like you have to perform, you have to perform, you have to perform. And from a neurological perspective, your brain gets locked in this loop. Got to do, got to do, got to do, got to do. It's, I kind of describe it like having your finger in the plug. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, you know, for people who are high performance, it's like they feel like, they, they can't stop. They, and sometimes it is a brain thing. Like a, a lot of my clients have uh, ADHD or, or have been have had those kind of issues as kids or never can sit still or feel like they always, always got to do stuff. But at the end of the day, it's learning to go slow so you can speed up. Mm. So part of what I love to teach people is you, you feel like the more you're speeding up, the faster you do things, the more the, the longer the to-do list, especially women, women love the lists. Like, let me do more stuff. And my my whole approach is the opposite is let's burn the list, get you to do one thing. Kind of like the concept of you're standing in, in a forest and you want to cut down some trees, but you have like this, this butter knife and you're going around trying to whack at all the different trees and you're trying to get them all to, you know, a little bit of a chip here and a little bit of a chip, then you're running yourself ragged where if you were just given a very sharp ax and you stood in front of one tree and you hacked at that tree until that tree f- fell down, that would be production production or feeling productive. But what we tend to do is we, and we, we tend to wear busy as a badge. Look at me. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so important because I'm busy. I'm so busy. Oh, I can't have time for that because I'm so busy. And we have to ask ourselves a deep question. Why do I feel like I have to be busy to feel important? Mm-hmm. Do I not feel like what I'm providing or what I'm offering the world is of value? Like what is the one tree I need to stand in front of and stay here and work at it until I get to the root of what is causing this tree to grow? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, you know, uh, I like to align Dr. Caroline Leaf is also South African neuroscience, great mm-hmm. stuff. She also describes as our trees, our brains as trees. And if you look at it, it, it the way the neuros are, are the, the neuropaths, it's very fascinating. So if you think about your thoughts as trees, you know, you we often are dealing with the, the fruit, the symptoms, the anxiety, the fear, the the perfectionism, but we don't often want to look at the root of why this tree is growing in the first place. And it takes a little bit of work. And for anyone who loves gardening knows when you're doing some gardening, you got to get out the weeds. And sometimes it's a little hot and sweaty and hard work, right? It's not the prettiest. It can get a little ugly and uncomfortable, but it's necessary because if we really want to build a garden that's going to grow and be fruitful, we have to realize that the work is needs to be done to get things out of our lives or our minds that are not serving us and to come back to that sense of calm what can I do that's less, that's going to create more in my life? Mm-hmm. Which is often a strange concept to tell someone who's a high performer who expects to, who has the opposite thought of the more I do, the more effective I am. Yeah, I've noticed um, in myself and in clients over the years with a lot of high achieving, high performing women, they also kind of compartmentalize every aspect of their lives. And I always ask this question, we're going to get to the figure skating next. I'm so fascinated <laughs> by that. I always ask them the question, you know, what are your hobbies? And typically, you know, if we're on a Zoom call and we see all the squares and the faces, or if you happen to be in person with people, you just kind of get like blank stares. 
as if a hobby was something that we only did that when we were children or who has time for a hobby. And it's almost like you're speaking a foreign language. So you get these blank stares and then finally it's like, okay, somebody like, what's your hobby? Nine times out of 10, what I hear people saying is, well, my business is my hobby. And I'll say, well, what do you mean by that? And they're like, well, I love my business so much. I love working on my business. So I'm working on my business all the time. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not a hobby. So you shared with us that you picked up figure skating when you were in your 30s, which, you know, figure skating isn't your business. So I would presume that that is like hobby category for you. How necessary, and maybe even tell your own story around that, how necessary is it for we as women and entrepreneurs to enjoy hobbies, try new hobbies? So part one. Part two is I would love for you to share how learning the skill of figure skating and allowing yourself to have that experience with a hobby, how that has made a positive impact on your life and your business. Mm, Good question. Well, I know this is a very interesting concept to start a new <laughs> a new skill that I had no experience with as a child in my 30s. But it's one of those dreams I'd always had, oh, I'd love to figure skate. Growing up in South Africa, we didn't really have access to rinks because it's super hot out there. You know, yep. swimming pools, yes. Ice rinks, no. <laughs> and it's one of those things that, I, you know, when we moved to the USA, I was like, you know, what is the one thing I really want to do? And instead of putting it on the shelf, because a lot of us as adults, we think, well, I'm I'm all grown up now, so I can't do those things. And the one day I was like, well, why not? What What is stopping me? It's just me, really. What am I worried about? And at first the kids were like, oh my gosh, mom, you in a leotard? No. I'm like, listen, if you, I look hot in a leotard. So if you have a problem with me in a leotard, that's your problem. I'm not going to worry about what you think of me doing what I love to do. And it did take a little bit of being brave of putting myself out there. But my whole concept was if this is something I really wanted to do, I'm the only one limiting myself, hmm. you know? Am I willing to learn? And the reason why I do it, I mean, I'm now like mid mid 40s, so I've been doing it for about 12, 13 years. What I've learned about this process is that it takes time. Us adults overthink everything. Like the kids will fall down, they'll be like, oh, cool, get up and go. Where I'm always like, is it this and is it that and is it that? And so my, I have a, a coach that I've worked with for 10 years. So every Tuesday, She's like, see you on the rink. And she's like, I don't care how you feel. You're going to show up and do the work. So even the days like when I was sick or I didn't feel great, I was like, I know that I'm having a commitment to myself. This has nothing to do with business, but this is a challenge, a personal challenge to can I show up for me? Because Mm. I, you know, that going back to that point is that I had made my business my life. In actual fact, my old business in photography was my hobby. I used to love doing photography. And I fell in love with it because it was my passion mm-hmm. and I made it my business. But when my passion became my business, where the passion went out the window and I kind of lost sight of why I love to do things creatively. So I, I think it's really good to either have like some kind of hobby or something you do that is not business related because it keeps you teachable. Mm. It keeps you in the place where you're like, I'm an amateur. I need to learn and I'm going to fall down and I'm, this might hurt, but I'm going to keep doing it again and again and again. I'm, figure skating is one of those things that's when you perform, it's perfection or bust. And you only get awarded the points for doing it right. But to me, the biggest, biggest blessing and the biggest treasure is in the learning. Mm-hmm. I've learned that sometimes it feels like two steps forward, one step back. But every time, as long as I'm moving, I'm putting one foot in front of the other even though I might feel like I'm back to where I was two years ago, it's just learning the basics, going over the over the process, 
and just trusting the process that it'll take me to where I want to be. And I've taken that application to my business that even though I want things now and I want things overnight and all this, I should do this and start having a flurry of clients. I know the process of real life is that it takes one step, trusting the process, showing up all the time and knowing that just because I fall down doesn't mean I'm going to stay there. I just need to pick myself up and keep going. So it's more like the resilience of life is going to be ups and downs, but I'm just going to keep swinging and keep going at it. Yeah. And then do you see, you know, a lot of people think they don't have time for the hobby because they only have time to grow the business, reach the goals in the business, make more money in the business, keep up with the business. Did you, so again, kind of two-part question. Did you struggle with that yourself when you knew inside of yourself, I know I want to try figure skating. Did you have any buts, but I've got to work on my business, but I have to do this, but it's going to take away from the time that I have on my business. So first question is, did you have any of those thoughts? Did you have to navigate that? And then second, have you noticed a positive correlation with letting myself do the things I love in my life and how that positively impacts whether it's your finances in your business or how you show up in your business, your confidence in your business? I kind of want people to hear you do have time for that because you need the outlet, that's something that you know really feeds your soul. And it's also going to have a positive impact on something in as it relates to your business. Oh, yeah. Well, everyone's, I've, I had big butts, I tell you, lots of big butts, and they don't lie. They are for real excuses, because I thought they were excuses that were keeping me from where I wanted to go. But what I'd realized is if I didn't take time for myself, for self-care, to fill up my cup, I wouldn't have anything to give out. And this is inherently Mm. the problem with entrepreneurs is we pour out and out and out. And we think the more we give, the more we give that we're going to get closer to our our goal. But what happens is we actually have the opposite effect. So for me, I'd realized that I had that that desire in me that I really wanted to do this. And all the years I'd I'd talked about it and never really did anything, would just keep going. And I would Get it felt like I was getting further away from my, what my heart's desire was. But it's amazing that once I had said, you know what, how about you just let yourself try? Because here's the truth. People will find the time and they will make the money for things they really value. Because there is no amount of anything out there that you can't make happen if you're not determined to make it happen. If you want to buy a, a new, say, a new car and you know this is what you really want, you will make it happen. You will find the way to do that. But what happens with entrepreneurs is we get our identity from our business. I'm an entrepreneur, so therefore that's who I am and who I am as a person. And that's a dangerous place to be because when your business fails or something goes wrong, then you make it about you. And you're like, well, I'm terrible. I'm awful. So I've failed. And I've realized that you have to have that separation between the business is what I do and who I am as a person is I'm not a failure, but the business failed. And yeah, you have to allow yourself just like anything to go through periods of shame and blame and having the hissy fit and have the little you know pity party in the corner. Mm-hmm. But then we need to realize that the business isn't my life. What I do and make, you know, and also with an entrepreneurs inherently about goals and being driven about achieving goals. Unless you have a completion point or allowing your brain to go, I achieved this, so now I'm going to celebrate and I'm going to enjoy this. It's like you forever have your finger in the plug and you're going to get electrocuted. So we have to allow that ourselves that downtime. And I mean, a great example is if you've ever watched Netflix or anything online and you binge watch, 
you often wonder why is it I can't like I can't put this book down or I can't switch the the TV off and have to keep watching. It's because your brain is being triggered, and we call this the open loop, open closed loop. Say when you're designing writing a story or um, a TV background, it would be about how do we keep people watching? How do we like even now with social media, it's designed to hack your brain to keep you stuck and focused on whatever it is you're doing. And if you think about it, we don't have completions. Like back in the day, you'd like, and they lived happily after the end. We close the book. We don't have any closure. You watch a program. It starts with a conflict. You see the characters going through something. And then what happens is they conclude that conflict. But before that, that episode ends, they open the loop for the next conflict, but then they leave you on a cliffhanger. Mm. I've got to see what happens. I've got to see what happens. And your brain is like, it's almost like it's addicted to that. Got to see, got to see, got to see, got to see. So this is why it's so important to allow ourselves to take a step back and say, I need to close the loop. I did this. I did my work or I need to celebrate. I mean, why as humans do we have weddings, you know, uh, uh, commencements, uh, graduations, funerals, because it's our human nature needs closure. Mm-hmm. We need to allow ourselves to do something, know that we've achieved it, close the loop, finish it, and then give ourselves a pause. Mm-hmm. And in the pause is where the restoration happens. Yeah. So if you are constantly looping from one thing to another, your brain is getting taxed. Physiologically, you're taxing your system, your adrenals, your, your I mean, your whole physical body can, is affected. And the problem is there's no end in sight. So you have to decide to hit the pause button. You have to decide to have I'm closing this down or I'm giving myself a break. So for, for me, even like I could very easily have the excuse that, you know, I don't really want to go skating today because I've got so many emails to answer. And oftentimes I'm, I'm sometimes I'll admit I can be a little late. She's like, I'm watching you. She says, yeah. you're there on Tuesday. Your commitment is to yourself first and foremost. The rest of it will, will, will find its way. Mm-hmm. But as, uh, again, as entrepreneurs, we make this about ourselves as an identity piece. And we think that if I'm not working hard enough, I'm not enough. I'm yeah. not good enough. I'm not important enough. When is enough? When are you going to decide, decide that you're valuable enough to take the time out to do the things that make your heart sing, to do the things that refresh you? Because here's the thing is you can't pour out from an empty cup. Yeah. You, you can't keep putting your foot on the gas of the pedal when the gas you have no more gas in the tank. Mm-hmm. You're just going to damage the vehicle. Yeah. It's kind of not rocket science, but yeah. it takes a while to get your head wrapped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So here's my last question. It's a bit of a business question. I'm super fascinated what you have to say about this. You, again, you've been in the entrepreneurial space and the business world for like multiple decades. So again, two-part question here for you. I'm making this like, I'm always asking you two-part questions. My first question with that is, What has always stayed the same in business out of all the years and all the businesses that you've started and run? What has stayed the same and will continue to stay the same long-term? And then what has shifted over the years? I think we've all experienced so many shifts in society and culture and community and the world. So many things have shifted in the last two years. What worked two years ago is not working today. What worked six months ago is not working today. So what has always worked in business and entrepreneurship over the last few decades? And what have you seen change in business, in entrepreneurship, especially recently in the last few years? Mm, Good question. Well, I can tell you what never changes is in business and in life 
is relationships and trust. No matter what kind of tool, hack, strategy, app, web, you know, software program you use, nothing changes when we come to trusting each other and relationships. Like even though I was in online marketing for like seven, eight years and learning all the things and all the hacks and all the strategies and all the tools, those are just the things we use. But at the end of the day, business is people doing business with people they know, like, and trust. And trust has become a very important commodity now. Well, it's like, everyone's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to give you my attention. That's what's got harder is before there were a few methods of reaching people and you needed a few touches. Now there is so much noise out there that you need to go further and longer and be more consistent in order to build that trust. So for someone to even trust you with their money or to invest in anything that you have, People are wiser and are more savvy now. They're not going to fall for these old tricks. Like, you know, I am so anti-mass marketing approach, this fear-based marketing. Yeah. Like, oh, you're going to miss out on this. You better sign up by this date. And I'm like, no, life happens. People are in different stages in life. And to shove everybody down this sort of sausage machine expecting to get the same results is like, it's impossible because everybody right. is different. It's like... You give a recipe to five different chefs, that's going to turn out differently, right? Yep. The same thing with your business approach. And here's the thing is that, you know, we can't rely on old methods. We have to be teachable. We have to be able to pivot and to learn and to say, what is it that I need to do differently? Maybe this worked back then and it's not working now. This doesn't mean it's a failure on me. It just means things are different. Things have changed. Am I mature enough and willing enough to say, this is time to walk away from this? Or maybe I need to learn something new. You know, as the more seasoned you get, you you sometimes there's a bit of pride that comes in. We're like, oh well, I know my stuff. Like, ah, she can't teach me anything. And having your ego in your business is very dangerous. It's very it's very difficult for you to really see the truth of what's needed. And this is what happens: is we get clouded by our own perceptions, and that's why you need somebody else, like a coach or a partner or people who will be honest with you and say time for us to change. Like, hey, we had this marketing strategy and it's not working anymore. We actually need to be willing to take the advice and to look at it. So to answer your question, definitely, I think trust doesn't go out the window. Mm-hmm. Relationship building, even in this online world, like I'm, a lot of people I talk to now are so allergic to like the, the, all the apps and the platforms and the, the, the dings and the notifications. Like it's, our brains are in overload. Mm-hmm. And I think going forward, we really are back to the old school methods of connecting with people. Mm-hmm. But we are now have the task of having to work harder to build their trust. Yeah. We have to be able to be more consistent. Are we going to keep pulling ourselves, get it back up again, even though we fall, doing it again and again and again? That doesn't go out of out of uh, trends either. It's just showing up. And where I see things changing now is people are getting tired of the facade of let's pretend that everything's great. People yeah. really want specificity of their particular needs and they want connection. Yeah. They want to connect with people who they know, like, and trust and who are like them. So I really think we, I see us going back to valuing more of that, what we call the tribal mindset. Like I'm growing yes. up in South Africa, you know, the, the, we have 11 official languages and we all have these different ways and a mixed c- culture. But what I remember about the African culture is this whole tribal men- mentality of you, the people in the tribe are there to lift you up. When you're having a bad day, like whether it's, you know, raising children or if uh, you needed support. And, and I think that's where people are yearning for is we might be the most connected in terms of 
you know, uh, being able to connect with everybody, but we're actually the most disconnected generation mm-hmm. because we have lost that connection to people and mm-hmm. relationships. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the more we can curate that and go back to the basics of number one, why are we doing what we're doing? Are we, are we doing this for the wrong reasons? And if so, maybe we need to look at the reasons and get back to the real reasons why we fell in love with entrepreneurship in the first place and really get back to questioning ourselves. Like, are we teachable? You know, are we willing to learn the things that are maybe hard and mm-hmm. uncomfortable and might be a little messy and like embarrassing to talk about, but maybe there's something we need to learn. And are we willing to go the long haul and be able to, you know, see see through relationships and like stick with someone and, you know, not just expect the quick fix, but go back to valuing what we all value is the relationships and getting to know people and getting, letting them know you. So I really just think that's kind of like we've done a full circle in life. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. This has been so amazing. We could keep going for probably hours uh, in this conversation. This has been so rich. Tell us a little bit about who you work with, how you work with people, And if someone's interested in working with you, following you, connecting with you, where are the best places to do that? Sure. Well, I always like to say you can find me at my home base, which is my website, which is mimikakuni.com. And I'll spell that for our audio listeners, which is M-I-M-I-K-A-C-O-O-N-E-Y.com. And primarily what I do now as a mindset metacog trainer is I help you train your brain so you can be the boss of your brain. And I primarily work with uh, high-performing Christian women who have that faith element that's a, a, an important part of running their business. And I really help them work towards getting back to being congruent with who they are and who they really want to be. But I also work with um, entrepreneurs in terms of helping them um, really figure out where they are. So yeah, coaching is what I love to do, but I like to approach it from a training perspective mm-hmm. and things like, we got to do the hard work, honey. It might hurt and you are going to cry and you are going to sweat, but let's just, there is no false promises. It's all about what you are prepared to do with your life. Cause I truly believe that you have to take a hundred percent responsibility for a hundred percent of your results and realize that the circumstance isn't what creates your happiness in life. It's your thoughts about yourself in the circumstances that it's key to your success. So if anyone would love to connect with me, I'm everywhere on social. I love to hang out on LinkedIn mostly and um, uh, Instagram and of, of some of the other ones, but I'd love for them to connect and say they heard me on the show and I've got some great resources, free trainings. They can just find me on my website, mamikacuni.com. Awesome, Mamika. And you can find all those links, Mamika's website, all of our social media links in the show notes below. If you want results, especially with your mindset, go see Mamika. Thanks, Mamika. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.